Lead me in thy truth and teach me, for thou art the God of my salvation. On thee do I wait all the day. Welcome, friends. I'm your host, Zen Garcia. This is Secrets to Build here on Truth Frequency Radio. It's a great honor and pleasure to share this time with you, and uh, we always appreciate you joining us for discourse and discussion. I'm joined again by my good friend and co-host, Rob Skiba, as we continue our Genesis Revisited series. Rob, are you there, brother? Rob? Uh, are you on mute? Hmm. Not hearing you for some reason. I know you're connected, but um, uh, now, yes, Hello? there we go. Yeah. All it's right. Like every time Windows updates, it changes all my settings, like in everything Skype. Yeah. So I had to. Go back in there, renew it again. Sorry about that. I'm I'm doing good. How are you? <laughs> uh, doing great, man. Um, yeah, and I was wondering why you were quiet when we first logged on, but I guess that is the reason. So, do but it. <laughs> uh, at least you you know you knew what was up and were able to get all that settled. But um, how are things in Texas and uh, the weather and the growing and things harvest? are oh, growing, man. Today uh, we had our we had some uh, nectarines from a nectarine tree that nice. I planted last year, and man, were they good! <laughs> they were wow, really good. already in a in a year and it's bearing fruit. Yeah, well, it was you know it wasn't from a seedling. It was already yeah, yeah. A, you know it was like about I don't know three or four feet tall. Uh, I got it at Home Depot already. You know at that size, yeah. but yeah, planted it, and uh, last year all the birds got to it. Uh, and so <laughs> this year we uh, we ended up um, erecting like a net around it. Uh-huh. So, uh, you know, bees or whatever can get in there if they need to, but, um, you know, birds aren't getting in there. So this time we're right. going to eat them instead of the critters. <laughs> <clears throat> nice. But nice. yeah, well, that's awesome. Yeah, we've done okay with, uh, we've done great with nectarines, did okay with strawberries. I think strawberries out of season now, though. It, it, they produced for a while and then they stopped. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. Looks like we're going to have a ton of grapes. Um, I think those show up later in the year, but I mean, yeah. what was, was not a very big plant last year is like taken over. <laughs> Seems like just crazy, but, uh, yes, yeah, yeah, so awesome. things are going good in that regard. Um, I'm really excited about this weekend. Uh, um, you know, seed was birthed in Tucson, Arizona, you know, when I went out to the desert mm-hmm. and, 2009 well you know as you know i submitted the the teaser that we did to about 17 or 18 different film festivals and multiple categories well it's going to be playing on a movie screen in tucson uh this weekend on my birthday so i'm like okay so this is going to be showing on a movie screen in the place where seed was born on the day that i was born that's a little too serendipitous right there that's definitely cool. going and, and this will be the first time sheila will be joining me um in tucson so i'm going to get to kind of show her around a little bit we're not going to spend much time out there but uh-huh. 
in what time we can between uh, showings and stuff, I'm going to take her around and show her the sites that I've location scouted in the past and whatnot. So, yeah, that's real exciting for us. Yeah, that's very cool, man. And as you say, uh, synchronous without a doubt. But um, Arizona is beautiful. Huh? Yeah, I'm definitely is. probably going to be hot be this hot. time of year. Yeah. It's but, gonna be hot. Um, but yeah, beautiful. And, you know, if you can be in and around water, that's always awesome. But uh, yeah, yeah, I love Arizona. Yeah, yeah. So we're really excited about that. Uh, just been plugging away on learning software and stuff. Had a really cool um, interview last night on, on my radio show uh, with my friend Tony Martin, who is uh, the guy that uh, I partnered with to do the Seed video game. Uh-huh. Uh, but he he's just asking the question, you know, we see in Revelation chapter 12 that there's a war in heaven, right? And Satan is cast out. And I think both of us are of the opinion that it, that hasn't happened yet, that this is still yet a future event. But what he was saying last night is like, you know, many times prophecy has sort of like uh, an initial fulfillment and then a greater fulfillment. Yeah. So like you have the Daniel prophecy of the abomination of desolation, which in first Maccabees chapter four, I believe it's first chapter four, they tell you point blank that when Antiochus Epiphanes did what he did and offered up the pig and whatnot Mm -hmm. in the temple, that that was the abomination of desolation. And yet, you know, less than 200 years later or so, uh, Yeshua says, hey, you know, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by the, by the prophet Daniel, take off. And then, of course, the historists and preterists will say, well, that happened in 70 AD. And yet there's still aspects of that that, that don't fit any of those that would lead us to believe that there's a future fulfillment of that right. to, to come. So he's like, and I don't know, you, you probably have heard of this. I hadn't heard of it before other than when he first told me about it a couple of years ago. But are you aware of the 1561... Um, UFO flap over Nuremberg, Germany. No, Mm-mm. it's pretty epic. Hmm. Yeah, right after uh, Copernicus, because he he releases. Well, his book is released. Uh, you know, right, I think the same day he died uh, in 1543, and so this is just a few years later. You know, uh, 1561. Uh, it, it was massive. I mean, if you just do a Google search for 1561 Nuremberg, Germany UFOs, uh, you'll find all kinds of stuff on it. And anyway, Tony, uh, he makes a compelling case for an interpretation of Revelation 12 being perhaps an early fulfillment there. And because he came over to biblical cosmology as a result of our work and, you know, looking into it for himself. Uh And if you look at what Copernic, the, the Copernican revolution did, I mean, nothing has created more atheists in the right. world than that. And, and it's right. preached. Everywhere. There's not a single place on earth where this Copernican thing is not preached, you know? Uh, and yeah. in these days when we're headed towards imminent disclosure and perhaps a massive UFO, um, phenomena, mile wide spaceships, perhaps pro- parking over cities, you know, everybody's sort of waiting in anticipation. In fact, this weekend is also the uh, Contact in the Desert conference, um, which obviously I'm not going to that because I'm doing the Tucson thing. But uh, I would have gone to that because that was 
it's pretty interesting to at least listen to their perspective, you know, but you know, everybody's talking about this. So, but none of that, the, the ancient alien thesis, the, you know, space brothers, plurality of worlds, all of that goes away, as you know, with biblical cosmology, but it's, it's like every, you can really set a marker from the, from the Copernican revolution, Copernicus writing that to today and see where everything that is designed to question the word of God begins like, and, yes. and, and ramps up. Cause I mean, right. in the early 1600s there, you know, you've got, uh, of course the King James Bible being written, the Puritans coming over, uh, uh, getting into the 1700s, you have the um, uh, founding of the Illuminati, May 1st, 1776. You know, of course, the birth of this country, 1776. And in the 1800s, and all of a sudden, you got Charles Lyell, Charles Darwin, uh, Huxley. You know, these guys putting forth evolutionary theories on evolutionary biology and geology and Big Bang thesis shows up. And then, of course, by the time you get to the 20th century, I mean, this becomes the adopted uh, worldview. Um, so if we take scripture where it says, you know, the devil comes down with great wrath because he knows his time is short. It appears he came down knowing something, uh, 500 years ago and started very quickly putting things into place to create what would eventually become just this massive deception uh, in our days. So anyway, it was an interesting show. That we did last night. Yeah, I'll definitely check it out. And yeah, uh, shout out to Tony. Um, I spoke with him a few times as well. But oh, very yeah, cool. I, yeah. I think uh, you guys are right in your assessment, and I, I do believe that things play out and have an early fulfillment and then a ladder uh, in a lot of things. Um, and so, and I do believe, you know, that the war in heaven. Um, you know, that the second book of Enoch speaks about that, uh, that they were cast out on the second day and that, you know, certainly there's a future. And I think certainly what we're talking about with the um, heliocentric model called the Copernican worldview, that being tied to the coming Manison reveals strong delusion, all that is in play. And as far as disclosure... Um, I don't know if you heard, but, you know, the military, the Pentagon, and even Congress is now being briefed on an incident that happened to the, I forget the name of the aircraft carrier, but it wasn't just a a few weeks ago that it was surrounded by many different craft for four hours, and there were like five ships, um, and all of them were witnessing and seeing and reporting and so because of that event disclosure is here they're actually having um you know congress and all these people are being invited in to speak and uh the you know they're considering it very serious and not a laughable matter because of national security and the fact that they were unable to um equal or even to you know to track the the maneuvers and the movements and it was also uh said that some of the vehicles went into the water you Mm -hmm. know the usos um while this was all being witnessed 
and tracked on radar. And uh, so all that happened just, you know, within weeks. And it was a, a big event. And even, you know, CNN and CNBC mm. and all the mainstream news reports are, have been reporting about it and uh, are giving it uh, a serious tone, you know. So um, there's a definite shift in government with regard to uh, these kind of esoteric events and what's actually behind them. And uh, certainly I think, you know, we agree that this is, um, that the ancient aliens is a demonic influence that's connected to the fallen angels and that they're not from out there, but that they were banished here and have been here even longer than we uh, have and that, you know, they are the the source for, you know, what is the upcoming deception and certainly that biblical cosmology um, helps to eradicate and destroy the premise of what has now become indoctrinated into the educational system and that, you know, the whole teaching of evolution is also based upon um, the concepts and also the that the ancient aliens created us a long time ago and are returning. I even saw an article or a video just recently speaking about how the Sumerian god Enki is, you know, returning uh, mm. to right the wrongs of uh, humanity and, you know, the trouble we seem to find ourselves in. And so, yeah, all of that is out there and coming quickly. I was literally just thinking about that this morning is that the elite, they're all getting old. You know, mm-hmm. when, when you look right. at the, you know, the, the Uber elite, you know, they're like a hundred years old. I mean, these guys are all really old. And from what I've been hearing, uh, many, if not most of their descendants, they're not really on the same page. You know, they're like, mm-hmm. that's crazy, you know? <laughs> um, <laughs> so, I, you know, I think these Uber Luciferians, they, they know their time is short, and, and if they're not really going to have the backing of their children necessarily, they're like, well, we got to do something here to make our agendas happen. That's why right. everything has ramped up. Like, I mean, you, when you had Soros saying this next U.S. election, you know, the, just the one that just happened um, last November, he said, we'll, we'll determine the fate of the world. And that's why these people did everything they could. You know, look, I don't think Trump is perfect. I don't think he's our savior, uh, but I don't think he was on their page, which is why there was just massive effort to get rid of him. You know, because uh, if you remember 2021, uh, you know, I think he put a, a major wrench in the cogs, you know, of, of that whole deal. And that's why they had to rebrand it to 2030. And And now, I mean, they're like, I don't know if you've been following what's been going on in California, but wow. Like I was just watching this thing where they had, I think five years worth of rainwater stored up that, that back in, I think it was 2019, uh, they were ordered or whatever to dump it into the ocean. And now like they're going through a drought and they have no water and they've actually, I guess the, the state has like literally shut off the water to farmers. Like farmers have no water. So, they're all their fields are turning to dust bowls, you know. Dust, yeah. Uh, and of course, they don't have anything to for for their livestock either. So, uh, this is all 100% engineered, and they're trying to blame it on right. climate change. But 
It's right. like they've been trumping this climate change forever. Um, and since it's not really true, they have to force the problem, you know, that they have to create the Hegelian dialectic, right? They have to yeah. create the problem that they have been saying all along, which doesn't really exist, but they're creating the conditions to say it does, which right. gets everybody riled up, especially the younger generation. That's why they're so susceptible yeah. and scared because they think, oh my God, you know, we're not going to have a future because, you know, the, the Greta Thunberg generation, right? Um, are all freaked out by this, but I mean, and this is going crazy in Europe and, and lots of things are ramping up in this country too, for a massive famine, like a massive famine, which is 100% engineered, you know? And, uh, and, and so between that and COVID and just everything else that's going crazy in the world, it wouldn't surprise me if they are intentionally doing all this stuff to make it so bad so that when, the fallen ones that they're in league with, uh, you know, probably had a, they had a deal going. Okay, you guys make it really bad, and then we'll show up and save the day. Yes, right. <laughs> you know? And then totally. they show up and say, okay, humans, you guys have really screwed everything up. Um, we're going to put it all back together again, and then there'll be this amazing time of uh, uh, seeming bliss where, oh, our space brothers solved all our problems. We have world peace, and all our right. famine problems are gone, and they stopped the earthquakes, and you know, climate change, it's all been, wow, look, our saviors, our saviors. I can totally see that playing out in the yes. near future. Yeah, this is, you know, the whole agenda and storyline for childhoods and uh, the overseers and how they come to save us and also, you know, bring signs and wonders and all of that plays out. But um, just, just speaking about the drought, um, I saw just a, a, a video about uh, the water levels in Lake Havasu um, from, you know, the Hoover Dam and um, all of the Colorado River and uh, the water just completely disappearing and how all of the states are are fighting over the water rights. And, um, and just as we had talked about even a couple weeks back, um, there's farmers that are reporting how the the government is forcing them to get rid of their crops, uh, you yep. know, that there's no workers to harvest, um, and they're just destroying it. They're not, not even giving it to, like, the homeless or people that are in need. They are just simply destroying it and getting rid of it. And That's so, yeah. Insane. People need to wake is. up. I don't know. People it really like... Is insane. I don't know what goes through people's heads. You know, it's like when they were were telling, like there was they were dumping out. This was just not too long ago, what a year or so ago. That same thing, farmers dumping, you know, huge truckloads of milk and all kinds right. of stuff. And some woman said, "Look, what the heck? We'll open up a farmers market and let all the towns come and buy it from you. Why are you right. just why are you you're gonna put it in a dump? You know what?" <laughs> You just want to. I wish you could smack the stupid out of people, but you can't. Right. You know. But I mean, this is getting like really bad. Right. And you know how how much worse it's going to end up being. I I don't know, but the stage is certainly being set for a savior to show up. You know. Yes. Um, and and I don't believe our savior is showing up until it gets really, 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 really super, really bad. When everybody right. thinks that the other savior is the solution. Yes, exactly. And, yes, and the all false flesh becomes first. corrupted. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 
you know, the, the, the doing away with all the natural food and they're trying to keep us from eating. I'm not really eating animals anyway. I mean, I still eat some fish, but uh, pescatarian, but for the most part, you know, I'm eating vegetables, but they're uh-huh. trying to get everybody off of uh, all meat and they want to give us, you know, company created meat. Right. You know. Uh, to save the earth from climate change, you know, and right, it's, right. it's it's soiling green, man. I mean, we're it's fully, man. Yeah, fully. Yeah, these are weird times, and um, certainly a lot of the agenda of even what we see, even the movie soiling green. Um, you know how how prophetic and where we are and what's going on and current events and. Yeah, it's just insane. It's absolutely insane. And and you know, with the with the jab and everything, uh, right. I mean, I'm I'm getting text messages and stuff from people that that either family members or people that they know. You know, healthy, otherwise healthy, strong, athletic. You know, 18 year old son goes in for a heart attack because of a blood clot, and you know, and I'm like, well, yeah. You know, at this point, I mean, he rewrote his DNA. So right. whatever they're able to do for them, he's still screwed. I mean, he, uh-huh. his life is ruined, you know. Yes. And how many more of these stories are there going to be? I don't know who's going to be left in two years, frankly. Right, right. Yeah, because, you know, again, the Georgia Guidestones, the whole depopulation agenda reduce uh, everybody to a servant class. I mean, they re- wrote it on stone in 10 different languages and people did not heed the warning, you know, uh, cause if you just read that and familiarize yourself with what they are trying to do, the depopulation agenda, even the things that are written, uh, in the United nations, global 2000, all of that. And then you're still going to take the vaccine. Uh, Come on. Yeah. There's going to be repercussions. Scary stuff. I, 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 you know, every day I find myself, you know, questioning why I'm doing what I'm doing. (laughs) You know, like with this TV series and everything else, I'm like, God, I just, you know, on on the one hand, it seems like everything's doomed and we're like going to be lucky if we're surviving next year. And on the other hand, I'm seeing like, no, I'm supposed to keep going doing this. And I, I keep looking around. I keep saying it. It's like, look, as long as Kevin Feige and John Favreau and Dave Filoni are putting out content, well, I need to be putting out content too. You know? Yeah, absolutely. So I, I have yep, no idea. We do what I, we can. I don't know how it is for you, but my prayers, <laughs> my prayer life is actually suffering quite a bit right these days because I'm like, I'll start off okay, and then I slide into. But I don't understand why. You, how come? Oh, forget it. I'll talk to you later. See, <laughs> you know, I, don't, I feel bad about it, but that's kind of like, I, I get so frustrated, you know, and I, and I don't have any answers, and I, I don't know why he allows it to go as long as he does. You know, we've talked about this during the Enoch series. Yeah. But man, it's like, it's like give us a chance. I mean, if we don't have a fighting chance, we, what's the point? You know, we're, right. we're all. Well, I'm, you know, for me, as far as the prayers, I'm just trying to be grateful and to see, you know, the good and to believe that we are making a change. And, 
and helping. And I do see and receive a lot of messages, emails, as I'm sure you do, uh, of people that are grateful, uh, that you know, really appreciate the work that we've done and declare how it's benefited them and helped them and even reaching their own children, you know, because um, what's being taught out there in the mainstream and the majority and churchianity, there's there's not a lot of real answers and that's frustrating for people and they're having to seek some direction and some kind of help in interpreting and making sense of especially the esoteric things that we speak about and and tying together with you know the prophetic the biblical uh side of things and tying in the mythological and all the oral traditions and i mean everything uniting it all under um the the a big puzzle of truth and helping people to see the bigger picture there i do see awakening uh and i do see a lot of people coming full circle back to the scriptures when they you know were caught up in the scientism and the evolution and the whole heliocentric big bang ever expanding universe and all of that and so um i i do believe we are making a difference and that a lot of people are also standing up for truth and helping to do the same so we'll be right back everyone for a second portion As a bookstore for truth seekers, it's our goal to make ancient manuscripts which were once held captive by secretive institutions available for public consideration. In our generation where wisdom has increased as Daniel the prophet foretold, we have access to many of the testimonies our early church brethren were persecuted for preserving. After being hidden for centuries, these manuscripts have been leaked from various sources throughout the earth and it's our goal to gather these sources into printable form to make available for all who seek the ancient way. If you're looking to deepen your studies of the biblical narrative, find these ancient manuscripts and more at sacredwordpublishing.com. Your partnership with Sacred Word Publishing goes further than the publishing of ancient manuscripts and weekly video content. You also make a huge impact across the earth in orphanages in Myanmar, India, Uganda, and Kenya. Your support is crucial for the development of the Ecclesia of Real Truth Seekers. 
We thank you for joining us in hosting Secrets Revealed, Momentary Zen, the Digital Readers Club, Ask Me Anything series, and other shows that have helped lead so many to the truth of salvation. Become even more involved? Please visit patreon.com slash sacredwordpublishing where you can partake in exclusive, interactive, patron-only content and help us continue shining the light of love in this darkened world. Many truth seekers are constantly studying alone. But there is a place where we can come together. The Digital Readers Club is our online ecclesia, meant for those who've forsaken churchianity, but still want the closeness of a family to study with. Join us every Saturday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time to put together the puzzle pieces of truth scattered throughout the ancient scriptures. Every day, are the stories in the Bible true? What if I told you that there are hundreds of confirming witnesses? Which give intricate detail to the stories in the Bible. Have you ever found yourself deep in the rabbit hole with questions that no one seemed to have the answers to? Check out swpcalendar.com to see when to join us next for our Ask Me Anything series with author and researcher Zen Garcia as he sheds light on the mysteries which have us all searching together. What they seek and then solve all the problems of man, but they really don't know that they call when the works of our hands are but just filthy rags. So we travel the lands to dig up our past, time our lapses, and rivet on much of the facts of our magic that God's name in All right, welcome back, everybody, for a second portion. Uh, I want to give you a chance, Rob, if you care to uh, comment on what I was speaking about before we went to break and then we can get started no i i don't have anything more to comment um oh you uh was listening to our show uh, just a little while ago that we did last week and you were not able to complete um i guess you were reading the targums or legend of the jews i'm not sure which one you're reading but you got as far as um potiphar's wife holding and smelling his clothes after he he took off running Yes, that was the Legends of the Jews. And uh, I do have that pulled up so I can I can continue and then we can uh, go into whatever Genesis or wherever you want to. Okay, yeah, next up I have on tap for us is Genesis 41, which is the story of uh, the dream because we got a little bit ahead in um, in Josh or maybe even Jubilees. Um, and I did go back and look, and I, we read chapter 44 of Joshua twice. That's why it looks so familiar to me. Oh, uh, okay. Because uh, I had read it last week, and then and I looked, and I said, oh, I read it the week before, too. That's how I'm like, this looks so familiar. Um, but I think, um, I think I'm up to date now. So Joshua, uh, Genesis 41, Joshua 50, and Jubilees 40 is 
what I have up on tap as soon as you get us caught up. Okay. All right. Um, let me share here. And we can All right. Zuleika's passion for Joseph was so violent that in lieu of its owner, whom she could not succeed in subduing to her will, she kissed and caressed the fragment of cloth left in her hand. At the same time, she was not slow to perceive the danger into which she had put herself, for she feared Joseph might possibly betray her conduct and she considered ways and means of, of obviating the consequences of her folly meanwhile her friends returned from the Nile festival and they came to visit her and inquire after her health they found her looking wretchedly ill on account of the excitement she had passed through, and the anxiety she was in. She confessed to the women that what happened with Joseph, and they advised her to accuse him of immorality before her husband, and then he would be thrown into prison. Zuleika accepted their advice, and she begged her visitors to support her charges by also lodging complaints against Joseph that he had been annoying them with improper proposals. But Zuleika did not depend entirely upon the assistance of her friends. She planned a ruse besides to be sure of convincing her husband of Joseph's guilt. She laid aside her rich robes of state, put on her ordinary clothes and took to her sickbed in which she had been lying when the people left to go to the festival. Also, she took Joseph's torn garment and laid it out next to her. Then she sent a little boy to summon some of the men of her house, and to them she told the tale of Joseph's alleged outrage, saying, See, the Hebrew slave whom your master hath brought in unto my house and who attempted to do violence to me today? You had scarcely gone away to the festival when he entered the house, and making sure that no one was here, he tried to force me to yield to his lustful desire. But I grasped his clothes, tore them, and cried with a loud voice. When he heard that I lifted up my voice, and cried he was seized with fear, and he fled and got him out, but he left his garment by me. The men of her house spake not a word, but in a rage against Joseph they went to their master and reported to him what had come to pass. In the meantime, the husband of Zuleika's friends had also spoken to Potiphar at the instigation of their wives, and complained of his slave, that he molested them. 
Potiphar hastened home, and he found his wife in low spirits. And though the cause of her dejection was chagrin and not having succeeded in winning Joseph's love, she pretended that it was anger at the immoral conduct of the slave. She accused him in the following words, O husband, mayest thou not live a day longer if thou dost not punish the wicked slave that hath desired to defile thy bed that hath not kept in mind who he was when he came to our house to demean himself with modesty, nor hath he been mindful of the favors he hath received from thy bounty. He did lay a privy design to abuse thy wife, and this at the time of observing a festival when thou wouldst be absent. These words she spoke at the moment of conjugal intimacy with Potiphar when she was certain of exerting an influence upon her husband. Potiphar gave credence to her words, and he had Joseph flogged unmercifully. While the cruel blows fell upon him, he cried to God, O Lord, thou knowest that I am innocent of these things, and why should I die today on account of a false accusation by the hands of these uncircumcised impious men? God opened the mouth of Zuleika's child, a babe of but eleven months, and he spoke to the men that were beating Joseph, saying, What is your quarrel with this man? Why do you inflict such evil upon him? Lies my mother doth speak, and deceit is what her mouth uttereth. This is the true tale of that which did happen. And the child proceeded to tell all that had passed, how Zuleika had tried first to persuade Joseph to act wickedly, and then had tried to force him to do her will. The people listened in great amazement, but the report finished. The child spake no word as before. Abashed by the speech of his own infant son, Potiphar commanded his bailiffs to leave off from chastening Joseph, and the matter was brought into court, where priests sat as judges. Joseph protested his innocence and related all that had happened according to the truth. But Potiphar repeated the account his wife had given him. The judges ordered the garment of Joseph to be brought which Zuleika had in her possession, and they examined the tear therein. It turned out to be on the front part of the mantle, and they came to the conclusion that Zuleika had tried to hold him fast and had been foiled in her attempt by Joseph, against whom she was now lodging a trumped-up charge. They decided that Joseph had not incurred the death penalty, but they condemned him to incarceration because he was the cause of a stain upon Zuleika's fair name. Potiphar himself was convinced of Joseph's innocence, and when he cast him into prison, he said to him, I know that thou art not guilty 
of so vile a crime. But I must put thee in durance, lest the taint cling to my children. By way of punishment for having traduced his ten brethren before his father, Joseph had to languish for ten years in the prison to which the wiles of traducers had in turn condemned him. But on the other hand, as he had sanctified the name of God before the world by his chastity and his steadfastness, he was rewarded. The letter he, which occurs twice in the name of God, was added to his name. He had been called Joseph, but now he was called also Jehoshaphat. Though he was bound in prison, Joseph was not yet safe from the machinations of his mistress, whose passion for him was in no wise lessened. In truth, it was she that induced her husband to change his intention. Regarding Joseph, she urged him to imprison the slave rather than kill him, for she hoped that as a prisoner he could be made amendable to her wishes more easily. She spake to her husband, saying, Do not destroy thy property. Cast the slave in prison, and keep him there until thou canst sell him. And receive back the money thou didst pay out for him. And thus she had the opportunity of visiting Joseph in his cell and trying to persuade him to do her will. She would say, This and that outrage have I executed against thee. But as thou livest, I will put yet other outrages upon thee if thou dost not obey me. But Joseph replied, The Lord executed the judgment for the oppressed. Zuleika, I will push matters so far that all men will hate thee. Joseph, the Lord loveth the righteous. Zuleika, I will sell thee into a strange land. Joseph, the Lord preserveth the strangers. And then she would resort to enticements. In order to obtain her desire, she would promise to release him from prison if he would but grant her wish. But he would say, Better it is to remain here than be with thee and commit a trespass against the law, against God. These visits to Joseph in prison, Zuleika continued for a long time, but when finally she saw that all her hopes were vain, she let him alone. As the mistress persisted in her love for Joseph, so his master, her husband, could not separate himself from his favorite slave. And though a prisoner, Joseph continued to minister to the needs of Potiphar, and he received permission from the keeper of the prison to spend some of his time in his master's house. In many other ways, the jailer showed himself kindly disposed towards Joseph, seeing the youth's zeal and the conscientiousness in executing the tasks laid upon him 
and under the spell of his enchanting beauty. He made prison life as easy as possible for his charge. He even ordered better dishes for him than the common prison fare. And he found it superfluous, cautioned to keep watch over Joseph, for he could see no wrong in him, and he observed that God was with him in good days and in bad. He even appointed him to be the overseer of the prison. And as Joseph commanded, so the other prisoners were obliged to do. For a long time, the people talked of nothing. But the accusation raised against Joseph by his mistress, in order to divert the attention of the public from him, God ordained that two high officers, the chief butler and the chief baker, should offend their lord, the king of Egypt. And they were put in ward in the house of the captain of the guard. Now the people ceased their talk about Joseph and spoke only of the scandal at court. The charges laid at the door of the noble prisoners were that they had attempted to do violence to the daughter of Pharaoh, and they had conspired to poison the king himself. Besides, they had shown themselves derelict in their service. In the wine, the chief butler had handed to the king to drink. A fly had been discovered, and the bread set upon the royal board by the chief baker contained a little pebble. On account of all these transgressions, they were condemned to death by Pharaoh. But for the sake of Joseph, it was ordained by divine providence that the king should first detain them in prison before he ordered their execution. The Lord had enkindled the wrath of the king against his servants, only that the wish of Joseph for liberty might be fulfilled, for they were the instruments of his deliverance from prison. And though they were doomed to death, yet in consideration of the exalted office they had held at court, the keeper of the prison accorded them privileges. As for instance, a man was detailed to wait upon them, and the one appointed thereto was Joseph. The chief butler and the chief baker had been confined in prison. Ten years, when they dreamed a dream, both of them, but as for the interpretation, each dreamed only that of the other one's dream. In the morning, when Joseph brought them the water for washing, he found them sad, depressed in spirits. And in the manner of the sages, he asked them why they looked different on that day from other days. They said unto him, We have dreamed a dream this night, and our two dreams resembled each other in certain particulars, and there is none that can interpret them. And Joseph said unto them, 
God granteth understanding to man to interpret dreams. Tell me, I pray you, it was as a reward for ascribing greatness and credit to him unto whom it belongeth that Joseph later attained to his lofty position. The chief butler proceeded to tell his dream. In my dream, behold, a vine was before me, and in the vine were three branches. And it was as though it budded and its blossoms shot forth, and the clusters thereof brought forth ripe grapes, and Pharaoh's cup was in my hand. And I took the grapes and pressed them into Pharaoh's cup, and I gave the cup into Pharaoh's hand. The chief butler was not aware that his dream contained a prophecy regarding the future of Israel. But Joseph discerned the recondite meaning, and he interpreted the dream thus. The three branches are the three fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, whose descendants in Egypt will be redeemed by three leaders, Moshe, Aaron, and Miriam. And the cup given unto the hand of Pharaoh is the cup of wrath that he will have to drain in the end. This interpretation of the dream Joseph kept for himself, and he told the chief butler nothing thereof. But out of gratitude for the glad tidings of the deliverance of Israel from the bondage of Egypt, he gave him a favorable interpretation of his dream and begged him to have him in his remembrance when it should be well with him and liberate him from the dungeon in which he was confined. When the chief baker heard the interpretation of the butler's dream, he knew that Joseph had divined its meaning correctly, for in his own he had seen the interpretation of his friend's dream, and he proceeded to tell Joseph what he had dreamed in the night. I also was in my dream, and behold, three baskets of white bread were on my head, and in the uppermost basket there was of all manner of baked meats for Pharaoh. And the birds did eat them out of the basket upon my head. Also this dream conveyed a prophecy regarding the future of Israel. The three baskets are the three kingdoms to which Israel will be made subject, Babylon, Medea, and Greece. And the uppermost basket indicates the wicked rule of Rome, which will extend over all the nations of the world until the bird shall come, who is the Messiah, and annihilate Rome. Again, Joseph kept the prophecy a secret. To the chief baker, he gave only the interpretation that had reference to his person, but it was unfavorable to him because through his dream, Joseph had been made acquainted with the suffering Israel had to undergo. It all came to pass, as Joseph had said, on the third day, the day whereon he explained the meaning of their dreams to the two distinguished prisoners. A son was born unto Pharaoh to celebrate the joyous event. The king arranged a feast for his princess, 
and servants that was the last eight days. He invited them and all the people to his table, and he entertained them with royal splendor. The feast had its beginning on the third day after the birth of the child. And on that occasion, the chief butler was restored in honor to his butlership. And the chief baker was hanged. But Pharaoh's counselors had discovered that it was not the butler's fault that the fly had dropped into the king's wine. But the baker had been guilty of carelessness in allowing the pebble to get into the bread. Likewise, it appeared that the butler had had no part in the conspiracy to poison the king, while the baker was revealed as one of the plotters, and he had to expiate his crime with his life. Properly speaking, Joseph should have gone out free from his dungeon on the same day as the butler. He had been there ten years by that time and had made amends for the slander he had uttered against his ten brethren. However, he remained in prison two years longer. Blessed is the man that trusteth in the Lord and whose hope is the Lord. But Joseph had put his confidence in flesh and blood. He had prayed to the chief butler to have him in remembrance when it should be well with him and make mention of him unto Pharaoh. And the butler forgot his promise and therefore Joseph had to stay in prison two years more than the years originally allotted him there. The butler had not forgotten him intentionally, but it was ordained of God that his memory should fail him. And when he would say to himself, if thus and so happens, I will remember the case of Joseph. The conditions he had imagined were sure to be reversed, or if he made a knot as a reminder, an angel came and undid the knot, and Joseph did not enter his mind. But the Lord setteth an end to darkness, and Joseph's liberation was not delayed by a single moment. Beyond the time decreed for it, God said, Thou, O butler, thou didst forget Joseph, but I did not. And he caused Pharaoh to dream a dream that was the occasion for Joseph's release. In his dream, Pharaoh saw seven kind, well-favored and fat-fleshed, come up out of the Nile, and they all together grazed peaceably on the brink of the river. In years when the harvest is abundant, friendship reigns among men and love and brotherly harmony. And these seven fat kind stood for seven such prosperous years. After the fat kind, seven more came up out of the river, ill-favored and lean-fleshed, and each had her back turned to the others. For when distress prevails, one man turns away from the other. For a brief space, Pharaoh awoke, and when he went to sleep again, he dreamed a second dream about seven rank and good ears of corn, and seven ears that were thin and blasted with the east wind, the withered ears swallowing the full ears. He awoke at once, and it was morning, and dreams dreamed in the morning are the ones that come true. This was not the first time Pharaoh had had these dreams. They had visited him every night during a period of two years, and he had forgotten them invariably in the morning. All right, we'll be right back for second hours. 
As a bookstore for truth seekers, it's our goal to make ancient manuscripts which were once held captive by secretive institutions available for public consideration. In our generation where wisdom has increased as Daniel the prophet foretold, we have access to many of the testimonies our early church brethren were persecuted for preserving. After being hidden for centuries, these manuscripts have been leaked from various sources throughout the earth, and it's our goal to gather these sources into printable form to make available for all who seek the ancient way. If you're looking to deepen your studies of the biblical narrative, find these ancient manuscripts and more at sacredwordpublishing.com. Your partnership with Sacred Word Publishing goes further than the publishing of ancient manuscripts and weekly video content. You also make a huge impact across the earth in orphanages in Myanmar, India, Uganda, and Kenya. Your support is crucial for the development of the Ecclesia of Real Truth Seekers. We thank you for joining us in hosting Secrets Revealed, Momentary Zen, the Digital Readers Club, Ask Me Anything series, and other shows that have helped lead so many to the truth of salvation. Become even more involved? Please visit patreon.com slash sacredwordpublishing where you can partake in exclusive, interactive, patron-only content and help us continue shining the light of love in this darkened world. With commerce being monopolized by major corporations, we feel a responsibility to return to handmade goods and to support individuals in the community. Sacred Word Publishing wants to encourage truth seekers to support each other. One of the best ways we can do that is through offering this centralized marketplace where everyone's homemade products can be easily accessed by our fellow members in the body of Christ. Would you be interested in offering your handcrafted items in our store? Email us at sacredwordpublishingllc at gmail.com. Support the truth-seeking community by going to www.swpmarket.com.
All right, welcome back for a second hour, everyone. Um, I'll just uh, continue reading unless you want to comment, Rob, or say anything. No, I thought that, uh, well, we've read some of this before, looked at some of this before, that his uh, interpretation of the dreams were all, like, about Israel. Uh, uh right. And, you know, this one seems a little bit too way too on the nose, you know, specifically mentioning Moses and so forth, people that wouldn't even show up for another 215 years, uh-huh. uh, Miriam and whatnot. But um, the the thought occurred to me that, you know, uh, if we are to assume that the Joshua account and the legend of the, legends of the Jews account and whatnot is true, then for all of these details to be what they are, Joseph had to have relayed them personally. Uh-huh. You know, like who else would have been privy to right. all the wiles the of, of all that? Yeah, what was going on yes. in Potiphar's house and all the things that she did and the, right. the women cutting their hands when they were eating the oranges and what, all that stuff. I mean, it, it very much does read as if Joseph himself had relayed that information to somebody. Right. There's no right. other way where it could have anyone been able to get that kind of information anyway. So it had to have come from him. Yeah, I mean, first person account because the details are so minute about everything yeah 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 i agree all right continuing this was not the first time that pharaoh had had these dreams they had visited him every night during a period of two years and he had forgotten them invariably in the morning this was the first time he remembered them for the day had arrived for joseph to come forth from his prison house. Pharaoh's heart beat violently when he called his dreams to mind on awakening, especially the second one about the ears of corn disquieted him. He reflected that whatever has a mouth can eat and therefore the dream of the seven lean kind that ate up the seven fat kind did not appear strange to him. But the ears of corn that swallowed up other ears of corn troubled his spirit. He therefore called for all the wise men of his land, and they endeavored in vain to find a satisfactory interpretation. They explained that the seven fight kind meant seven daughters to be born unto Pharaoh, and the seven lean kind that he would bury seven daughters. The rank ears of corn meant that Pharaoh would conquer seven countries and the blasted ears that seven provinces would rebel against him about the ears of corn they did not all agree some thought the good ears stood for seven cities to be built by pharaoh and the seven withered ears indicated that these same cities would be destroyed at the end of his reign sagacious as he was pharaoh knew that None of these explanations hit the nail on the head. He issued a decree summoning all interpreters of dreams to appear before him on pain of death, and he held out great rewards and distinctions to the one who should succeed in finding the true meaning of his dreams. In obedience to his summons, all the wise men appeared. The magicians and the sacred scribes that were in Misraim, the city of Egypt, as well as those from Goshen and Ramses' zone and the whole country of Egypt. 
And with them came the princes, officers, and servants of the king from all the cities of the land. To all these the king narrated his dreams, but none could interpret them to his satisfaction. Some said that the seven fat kind were the seven legitimate kings that would rule over Egypt, and the seven lean kind betokened seven princes that would rise up against these seven kings and exterminate them. The seven good ears of corn were the seven superior princes of Egypt that would engage in a war for their overlord and would be defeated by as many insignificant princes who were betokened by the seven blasted ears. Another interpretation was that the seven fat kind were the seven fortified cities of Egypt at some future time to fall into the hands of seven Canaanitish nations who were foreshadowed in the seven lean kind. According to this interpretation, the second dream supplemented the first. It meant that the descendants of Pharaoh would regain sovereign authority over Egypt at a subsequent period and would subdue the seven Canaanitish nations as well. There was a third interpretation given by some. The seven fat kind or seven women whom Pharaoh would take to wife, but they would die during his lifetime, their loss being indicated by the seven lean kind. Furthermore, Pharaoh would have 14 sons, and the seven strong ones would be conquered by the seven weaklings, as the blasted ears of corn in his dream had swallowed up the rank ears of corn. And a fourth, thou wilt have seven sons, O Pharaoh. These are the seven fat kind. These sons of thine will be killed by the seven powerful, rebellious princes. But then seven minor princes will come, and they will kill the seven rebels. Avenge thy descendants, and restore the dominion to thy family. The king was a little pleased with these the king was as little pleased with these interpretations as with the others, which he had heard before, and in his wrath, he ordered the wise men, the magicians, and the scribes of Egypt to be killed, and the hangmen made ready to execute the royal decree. However, Midrod, Pharaoh's chief butler, took fright, seeing that the king was so vexed to his failure to secure an interpretation of his dreams that he was on the point of giving up the ghost. He was alarmed about the king's death, for it was doubtful whether the successor to the throne would retain him in office. He resolved to do all in his power to keep Pharaoh alive. Therefore he stepped before him and spake, saying, I do remember two faults of mine this day. I showed myself ungrateful to Joseph in that I did not bring his request before thee. And also I saw thee, in distress by reason of thy dream, without letting thee know that Joseph can interpret dreams. And when it pleased the Lord God to make Pharaoh wroth with his servant, the king put me in ward in the house of the captain of the guard, me and the chief baker, and with us there was a simple young man, one of the despised race of the Hebrews, slave to the captain of the guard, and he interpreted our dreams to us. And it came to pass, as he interpreted to us, so it was. Therefore, O king, stay the hand of the hangman. 
Let them not execute the Egyptians. The slave I speak of is still in the dungeon, and if the king will consent to summon him hither, he will surely interpret thy dreams. Accursed are the wicked that never do a holy good deed. The chief butler described Joseph contemptuously as a slave in order that it might be impossible for him to occupy a distinguished place at court. For it was a law upon the statue books of Egypt that a slave could never sit upon the throne as king, nor even put his foot in the stirrup of a horse. Pharaoh revoked the edict of death that he had issued against the wise men of Egypt, and he sent and called Joseph. He impressed care upon his messengers. They were not to excite and confuse Joseph and render him unfit to interpret the king's dream directly. They brought him hastily out of the dungeon. But first, Joseph, out of respect for the king, shaved himself and put on fresh raiment, which an angel brought him from paradise. And then he came in unto Pharaoh. The king was sitting upon the royal throne, arrayed in princely garments, clad with the golden ephod upon his breast, and the fine gold of the ephod sparkled, and the carbuncle, the ruby, and the emerald flamed like a torch, and all the precious stones set upon the king's head flashed like a blazing fire. And Joseph was greatly amazed at the appearance of the king. The throne upon which he sat was covered with gold and silver and with onyx stones, and had seventy steps. If a prince or other distinguished person came to have an audience with the king, it was the custom for him to advance and mount to the 31st step of the throne, and the king would descend 36 steps and speak to him. But if one of the people came to have speech with the king, he ascended only to the third step, and the king would come down four steps from his seat and address him thence. It was also the custom that one who knew all the 70 languages ascended the 70 steps of the throne to the top. But if a man knew only some of the 70 languages, he was permitted to ascend as many steps as he knew languages, whether they were many or few. And another custom of the Egyptians was that none could reign over them unless he was a master of all the 70 languages. When Joseph came before the king, he bowed down to the ground and he ascended to the third step while the king sat upon the fourth from the top and spake with Joseph, saying, O young man, my servant beareth witness concerning thee that thou art the best and most discerning person I can consult with. I pray thee, thou sage unto me, the same favors which thou didst bestow on this servant of mine. And tell me what events they are which the visions of my dreams foreshow. I desire thee to suppress not out of fear, nor shalt thou flatter me with lying words or with words that please me. Tell me the truth, though it be sad and alarming. Joseph asked the king first whence he knew that the interpretation 
given by the wise men of his country was not true. And Pharaoh replied, I saw the dream and its interpretation together, and therefore they cannot make a fool of me. In his modesty, Joseph denied that he was an adept at interpreting dreams. He said, it is not in me. It is in the hand of God. And if it be the wish of God, he will permit me to announce tidings of peace to Pharaoh. And for such modesty, he was rewarded by sovereignty over Egypt, for the Lord doth honor them that honor him. Thus was also Daniel rewarded for his speech to Nebuchadnezzar. There is a God in heaven that revealeth secrets, but as for me, this secret is not revealed to me for any wisdom that I have more than any living, but to the intent that the interpretation may be made known to the king, and that thou mayest know the thoughts of thy heart. Then Pharaoh began to tell his dream, only he omitted some points and narrated others inaccurately in order that he might test the vaunted powers of Joseph. But the youth corrected him and pieced the dreams together exactly as they had visited Pharaoh in the night. And the king was greatly amazed. Joseph was able to accomplish this feat because he had dreamed the same dream as Pharaoh at the same time as he. Thereupon Pharaoh retold his dreams with all details and circumstances, and precisely as he had seen them in his sleep, except that he left out the word Nile in the description of the seven lean kind, because this river was worshipped by the Egyptians, and he hesitated to say that aught that is evil had come from his God. Now Joseph proceeded to give the king the true interpretation of the two dreams. They were both a revelation concerning the seven good years impending and the seven years of famine to follow them. In reality, it had been the purpose of God to bring a famine of 42 years duration upon Egypt, but only two years of this distressful period were inflicted upon the land for the sake of the blessing of Jacob when he came to Egypt in the second year of the famine. The other 40 years fell upon the land at the time of the prophet Ezekiel. Joseph did more than merely interpret the dreams. When the king gave voice to doubts concerning the interpretation, he told him signs and tokens. He said, let this be a sign to thee that my words are true and my advice is excellent. Thy wife, who is sitting upon the burstool at this moment, will bring forth a son, and thou wilt rejoice over him. But in the midst of thy joy, the sad tidings will be told thee of the death of thine older son, who was born unto thee but two years ago. And thou must needs find consolation for the loss of the one and the birth of the other. Scarcely had Joseph withdrawn from the presence of the king when the report of the birth of a son was brought to Pharaoh. 
and soon after also the report of the death of his firstborn, who had suddenly dropped to the floor and passed away. Thereupon he sent for all the grandees of his realm and all his servants, and he spake to them, saying, Ye have heard the words of the Hebrew, and ye have seen that the signs which ye foretold were accomplished, and I also know that he hath interpreted the dream truly. Advise me now how the land may be saved from the ravages of the famine. Look hither and thither, whether you can find a man of wisdom and understanding whom I may set over the land, for I am convinced that the land can be saved only if we heed the counsel of the Hebrew. The grandees and the princes admitted that safety could be secured only by adhering to the advice given by Joseph. And they proposed that the king in his sagacity chose a man whom he considered equal to the great task. Thereupon Pharaoh said, If we traversed and searched the earth from end to end, we could find none such as Joseph, a man in whom is the Spirit of God. If you think well thereof, I will set him over the land, which he hath saved by his wisdom. The astrologers who were his counselors demurred, saying, A slave, one whom his present owner hath acquired for twenty pieces of silver, thou proposest to set over us as master? But Pharaoh maintained that Joseph was not only a freeborn, man beyond the peradventure of a doubt, but also the scion of a noble family. However, the princes of Pharaoh were not silenced. They continued to give utterance to their opposition to Joseph, saying, Dost thou not remember the immutable law of the Egyptians, that none may serve as king or as viceroy, unless he speaks all the languages of men? And this Hebrew knows none but his own tongue. And how were it possible that a man should rule over us who cannot even speak the language of our land? Send and have him fetch hither and examine him in respect to all the things a ruler should know and have and then decide as seemeth wise in thy sight. Pharaoh yielded. He promised to do as they wished. And he appointed the following day as the time for examining Joseph, who had returned to his prison in the meantime. For on account of his wife, his master feared to have him stay in his house. During the night, Gabriel appeared unto Joseph and taught him all the 70 languages. And he acquired them quickly after the angel had changed his name from Joseph to Jehoshaphat. The next morning when he came into the presence of Pharaoh and the nobles of the kingdom, inasmuch as he knew every one of the 70 languages, he mounted all the steps of the royal throne until he reached the 70th, the highest upon which sat the king and Pharaoh and his princes rejoiced that Joseph fulfilled all the requirements needed by one that was to rule over Egypt. 
The king said to Joseph, Thou didst give me the counsel to look out a man discreet and wise and set him over the land of Egypt that he may in his wisdom save the land from the famine. As God has showed thee all this and as thou art master of all the languages of the world, there is none so discreet and wise as thou. Thou shalt therefore be the second in the land after Pharaoh, and according unto thy word shall all my people go in and go out. My princes and my servants shall receive their monthly appendage from thee. Before thee the people shall prostrate themselves. Only in the throne will I be greater than thou. Um... Is this where I should stop or continue? Uh, that's probably about pretty close to where we left off in some of the other ones, which we are ahead of Genesis. So Okay. Okay, uh, good. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, do I have to keep reading here? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it seems my voice needs a break. Yeah, so um, well, it looks like 41 is a pretty long chapter. So uh, uh, what do we got? Four minutes before the break. Um, yeah. I mean, I can start it now or wait till we get back, but I can pick up with uh, Genesis 41, maybe do 41 and 42 uh, to get us caught up with the other texts that we've been reading. Sounds good. And then after you're done on the next show, probably uh, I can do start with the Targum. Okay. Yeah, do a Targum, and uh, then I can probably need to catch us up in Jubilees. Jubilees, yeah. Um, but yeah, well, I guess we got five minutes or so. Um, yeah, we've got some minutes. time. Let me it's only 22 after. So. Switch over here. And I'll read as far as we can get anyway. All right. 41. And it came to pass at the end of two full years that Pharaoh dreamed, and behold, he stood by the river. And behold, there came up out of the river seven well-favored kind and flat, fat-fleshed, and they fed in a meadow. And behold, seven other kind came up after them out of the river ill-favored and lean-fleshed, and stood by the other kind upon the brink of the river. And the ill-favored and lean-fleshed kind did eat up the seven well-favored and fat kind. So Pharaoh awoke, and he slept and dreamed the second time. And behold, seven years of corn came up upon one stalk, rank and good. And behold, seven thin ears and blasted with the east wind sprung up after them. And the seven thin ears devoured the seven rank and full ears, and Pharaoh awoke, and behold, it was a dream. And it came to pass in the morning that his spirit was troubled, and he sent and called for all the magicians of Egypt and all the wise men thereof. And Pharaoh told them his dream, but there was none that could interpret them unto Pharaoh. Then spake the chief butler unto Pharaoh, saying, I do remember my faults this day. Pharaoh was wroth with his servants and put me in ward in the captain of the guard's house, both me and the chief baker. And we dreamed a dream in one night, I and he. We dreamed each man according to the interpretation of his dream. And there was there with us a young man, a an Hebrew servant, to the captain of the guard. And we told him, and he interpreted to us our dreams. To each man according to his dream he did interpret. And it came to pass, as he interpreted to us, so it was. Me he restored unto mine office, and him he hanged. Then Pharaoh sent and called 
Joseph, and they brought him hastily out of the dungeon, and he shaved himself and changed his raiment, and came in unto Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, I have dreamed a dream, and there is none that can interpret it. And I have heard say of thee that thou canst understand a dream to interpret it. And Joseph answered Pharaoh, saying, It is not in me. God shall give Pharaoh an answer of peace. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, In my dream, behold, I stood upon the bank of the river. And behold, there came up out of the river seven kind, fat-fleshed and well-favored, and they fed in a meadow. And behold, seven other kind came up after them, poor and very ill-favored and lean-fleshed, such as I never saw in all the land of Egypt for badness. <laughs> I almost read that wrong. Badness uh, looked like something else <laughs> when I first looked at it. I'm like, what? Uh, and the lean and the ill-favored kind did eat up the first seven kind, fat kind. And when they had eaten them up, it could not be known that they had eaten them, but they were still ill-favored as at the beginning. So I awoke. And I saw my dream, and behold, seven ears came up in one stalk, full and good. And behold, seven ears withered thin and blasted with the east wind sprang up after them. And the thin ears devoured the seven good ears. And I told this unto the magicians, but there was none that could declare it to me. And Joseph said unto Pharaoh, The dream of Pharaoh is one. God hath showed Pharaoh what he is about to do. The seven good kind are seven years, and the seven good ears are seven years. The dream is one. And the seven thin and ill-favored kind that come up after them are seven years. Seven yep. empty right. with the east wind. Seven years. Yep, we'll be right back for a final portion, everyone. Extendivite is more than just a heart tonic. Do you have any of these symptoms? Night cramps in the hands and feet. Your arms and legs often go to sleep. On short walks, do your legs get aches and pains? Is your memory worse than it used to be? Ankles that swell late in the day? Has your blood pressure increased lately? If you answered yes to even one of these questions, you may have early warning signs of arterial blockages. Your body is saying that it is time to take Extendivite. These are not the normal signs of aging. They are the warning signs that accompany blocked arteries. Get your Extendivite today. Extendivite is available in capsule or liquid form for just $69.95 for a two-month supply. To get started, call 1-877-928-8822. That's 1-877-928-8822. Or visit heartdrop.com. Extend your life with Extendivite. So, you love talk radio, then you'll love TalkStreamLive.com. TalkStreamLive is always on, 24-7, with the best streaming talk shows. Find your favorite talkers and discover some new ones. It's free, readily available online, or on mobile with any smartphone or tablet. Finding your favorite talk shows all in one place has gotten a whole lot easier. Just go to TalkStreamLive.com. Be sure to download the free apps from Google Play or the iTunes App Store. 
If you have hard water, the LimeScale not only leaves white spots, it clogs pipes and breaks down appliances, costing you hundreds of dollars in energy and wear. Eliminate LimeScale and other water issues like brown staining and bad odors with HydroCare water products available from Wave Home Solutions. Wave's affordable water systems don't use salts or chemicals. You'll love the way your water tastes, smells, and looks. Satisfaction guaranteed. For more information, go to bestwater123.com. That's bestwater123.com. We exist in the security and comfort of our worlds. Paved paths, lights, and manicured lawns give us peace of mind that our world has been tamed, and we are its master. But other worlds exist on the edge of our sight. On the edge of our awareness, the shadows move. The woods fill with the unblinking eyes of the nightmares our ancestors warned us about. Some of us have stumbled into these forgotten realms, whether on purpose or completely by surprise. I'm Brent Thomas. Join us on the Paranormal Portal Friday and Saturday nights from 10 p.m. to midnight Pacific Standard Time as we journey into the world of the paranormal phenomenon. Enter the Paranormal Portal if you dare. <laughs> We are TFR. My faith in destiny is all I need to prevail. Truth Frequency Radio. Welcome back, everybody, for final portion. And as per usual, the show is going by quickly. But I'll turn it back over to you, Rob, and you can continue on, brother. Okay. Seems like I read this before, but uh, oh well. I'll just keep going. Uh, it, you know, when we do so many of this, the right. uh, other texts, well, they say the same thing. Yeah, yeah. They, it's like, did I read this somewhere else, or did I? Right. You, you know. Well, anyway, I'll just keep going. Uh, this is this thing which I have spoken unto Pharaoh. What God is about to do, he showeth unto Pharaoh. Because we talked about in one of the shows, like, do you think that that this is a warning to us also? We were talking about right. years of plenty and years of famine because um, yeah. it really looks like we're heading into some serious years of famine. Yeah. Yeah. So um, if you haven't started, you might want to start getting some food now. Right. Um, People out there, uh, do what you can, you know. Um, Absolutely. Behold, there 
come seven years of great plenty throughout all the land of Egypt, and there shall arise after them seven years of famine, and all the plenty shall be forgotten in the land of Egypt, and the famine shall consume the land. And the plenty shall not be known in the land by reason of that famine following, for it, it shall be very grievous. And for that the dream was doubled unto Pharaoh twice. It is because the thing is established by God, and God will shortly bring it to pass. Now therefore let Pharaoh look out a man discreet and wise, and set him over the land of Egypt. And let Pharaoh do this, and let him appoint officers over the land, and take up the fifth part of the land of Egypt in the seven plenteous years. And let them gather all the food of those good years that come, and lay up corn under the hand of Pharaoh, and let them keep food in the cities. And that food shall be for store to the land against the seven years of famine, which shall be in the land of Egypt, that the land perish not through the famine. And the thing was good in the eyes of Pharaoh, and in the eyes of all his servants. And Pharaoh said unto his servants, Can we find such a one as this, a man in whom the Spirit of God is? And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, For as much as God hath showed thee all this, there is none so discreet and wise as thou art. Thou shalt be over my house, and according to thy word shall all my people be ruled. Only in the throne will I be greater than thou. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, See, I have set thee over all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh took off his ring from his hand and put it on Joseph's hand and arrayed him in vestures of fine linen and put a gold chain about his neck. And he made him to ride in the second chariot, which he had. And they cried before him, bow the knee. And he made him ruler over all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, I am Pharaoh. and Without thee shall no man lift up his hand or foot in all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh called Joseph's name Zaphnath Paaniah. And he gave him to wife Asenath, the daughter of Potipharah, priest of On. And Joseph went out over all the land of Egypt. And Joseph was 30 years old when he stood before for Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And Joseph went out from the presence of Pharaoh and went throughout all the land of Egypt. And then the seven plenteous years the earth brought forth by handfuls. And he gathered up all the food of the seven years which were in the land of Egypt and laid up the food in the cities. The food of the field, which was round about every city, laid he up in the same. And Joseph gathered corn as the sand of the sea very much until he, had, until he left numbering, for it was without number. And unto Joseph were born two sons before the years of famine came which Asenath, the daughter of Potipharah, priest of On, bare unto him. And Joseph called the name of the firstborn Manasseh, for God, he, said he, hath made me forget all my toil and all my father's house. And the name of the second called he Ephraim, for God hath caused me to be fruitful in the land of my affliction. And the seven years of, pl of plenteousness that was in the land of Egypt were ended, and the seven years of dearth began to come according as Joseph had said and the dearth was in all the lands but in all the land of Egypt there was bread and when all the land of Egypt was famished the people cried to Pharaoh for bread and Pharaoh said unto all the Egyptians go unto Joseph what he saith to you do and the famine was all over the face of the earth and Joseph opened all the storehouses and sold unto the Egyptians and the famine waxed sore in the land of Egypt and all countries came unto Egypt to Joseph to buy corn because that the famine was so sore in all lands. Chapter 42. Now when Jacob saw that there was corn in Egypt, Jacob said unto his sons, Why do ye look one upon another? 
And he said, Behold, I have heard that there is corn in Egypt. Get you down thither and buy for us from thence that we may live and not die. <laughs> I like the way it's sort of like, what are you guys looking at? <laughs> what are you guys looking at? You sit around like, you go down there, you bunch of bums. <laughs> so King James makes it sound a lot more elegant, but that's what's like, why do you look at one another? <laughs> sit around and look around at each other. Get a move on it. Get, get moving there. What the heck? And Joseph's 10 brethren went down to buy corn in Egypt. But Benjamin, Joseph's brother, Jacob, sent not with his brethren, for he said, lest peradventure mischief befall him. And the sons of Israel came to buy corn among those that came, for the famine was in the land of Canaan. And Joseph was the governor over the land, and he it was that sold to all the people of the land. And Joseph's brethren came and bowed down themselves before him with their faces to the earth. And Joseph saw his brethren, and he knew them, but made himself strange unto them, and spake roughly unto them. And he said unto them, Whence come ye? And they said, From the land of Canaan to buy food. And Joseph knew his brethren, but they knew not him. And Joseph remembered the dreams which he dreamed of them, and said unto them, Ye are spies to see the nakedness of the land ye are come. And they said unto him, Nay, my lord, but to buy food are thy servants come. We are all one man's sons. We are true men. Thy servants are no spies. And he said unto them, Nay, but to see the nakedness of the land ye are come. And they said, Thy servants are twelve brethren, the sons of one man in the land of Canaan. And behold, the youngest is this day without our father, and he is not. And Joseph said unto them, That it, it, that is it that I spake unto you, saying, Ye are spies, whereby ye shall be proved. By the life of Pharaoh ye shall not go forth hence, except your youngest brother come hither. Send one of you, and let him fetch your brother, and ye shall be kept in prison." that your words may be proved whether there be any truth in you, or else by the life of Pharaoh, surely ye are spies. And he put them all together into ward three days. And Joseph said unto them the third day, This do and live, for I fear God. If ye be true men, let one of your brethren be bound in the house of your prison. Go ye, carry corn for the famine of your houses." But bring your youngest brother unto me, so shall your words be verified, and ye shall not die. And they did so. And they said one to another, We are verily guilty concerning our brother, in that we saw the anguish of his soul when he, was, when he besought us, and we would not hear. Therefore is this distress come upon us. And Reuben answered them, saying, Spake I not unto you, saying, Do not sin against the child, and ye would not hear? Therefore, behold, also his blood is required. And they knew not that Joseph understood them, for he spake unto them by an interpreter. And he turned himself about from them and wept and returned to them again and communed with them and took from them Simeon and bound him before their eyes. Then Joseph commanded to fill their sacks with corn and to restore every man's money into his sack and to give them provision for the way. And thus did he unto them. And they laded their asses with the corn and departed thence. And as one of them opened his sack to give his ass provender in the inn, he espied his money, for behold, it was in his sack's mouth. And he said unto his brethren, My money is restored, and lo, it is even in my sack. And their heart failed them, and they were afraid, saying one to another, What is this that God hath done unto us? 
And they came unto Jacob their father unto the land of Canaan and told him all that befell them, saying, The man who is the Lord of the land spake roughly to us and took us for spies of the country. And we said unto him, We are true men, we are no spies. We be twelve brethren, sons of our father, one is not, and the youngest is this day with our father in the land of Canaan. And the man, the Lord of the country, said unto us, Hereby shall I know that ye are true men. Leave one of your brethren here with me, and take food for the famine for your households, households, and be gone. And bring your youngest brother unto me, then shall I know that ye are no spies, but that ye are true men. So will I deliver you your brother, and ye shall traffic in the land. And it came to pass as they emptied their sacks, that behold, every man's bundle of money was in his sack. And when behold, they and their father saw the bundles of money, they were afraid. And Jacob, their father, said unto them, Me have ye bereaved of my children. Joseph is not, and Simeon is not, and ye will take Benjamin away. All these things are against me. And Reuben spake unto his father, saying, Slay my two sons, if I bring him not to thee. Deliver him into my hand, and I will bring him to thee again. And he said, My son shall not go down with you, for his brother is dead, and he is left alone. If mischief befall him by the way in the which ye go, then shall ye bring down my gray hairs with sorrow to the grave. And I'll go ahead and keep reading here. Chapter 40. And the famine was sore in the land, and it came to pass when they had eaten up the corn which they had brought out of Egypt, their father said unto them, Go again, buy us a little food. So they, they left for Simeon down there. For I mean that's not a, I mean it's not a very super long distance, but it, I mean by foot. Or, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know they're presumably riding on horses or donkeys or whatever. That's right. still that's so they had a good ways to go, and then they get there, and then they wait for the food. Meanwhile, Simeon's going, oh man, <laughs> he's stuck in prison there. Uh, it's such a great story. Yeah, um, and Judah spake unto him, saying, the man did. Solomon protests unto us, saying, Ye shall not see my face, except your brother be with you. If thou wilt send our brother with us, we will go down and buy thee food. But if thou wilt not send him, we will not go down. For the man said unto us, Ye shall not see my face, except your brother be with you. And Israel said, It's interesting, the, the text changes to Israel from Jacob here. Mm-hmm. And Israel said, Wherefore dealt ye so ill with me, as to tell me the man whether ye had yet a brother? And they said, The man asked us straightly out of, of our state and of our kindred, saying, Is your father yet alive? Yet ye have ye another brother. And we told him according to the tenor of his words, Could we certainly know that he would say, Bring your brother down? And Judah said unto Israel his father, Send the lad with me, and we will arise and go, that we may live and not die, both we and thou and also our little ones. I will... Sh- be surety for him. Of my hand shalt thou require him. If I bring him not unto thee and set him before thee, then let me bear the blame forever. For except we had lingered, surely now we had returned the second time. And their father Israel said unto them, If it must be so now, do this. Take of the best fruits in the land in your vessels and carry down the man a present. And a little balm and a little honey, spices and myrrh, nuts and almonds. And take double money in your hand, and the money that was brought again in the mouth of your sack, carry it again in your hand, peradventure it was an oversight. Take also your brother, and arise, go again unto the man. 
And God Almighty give you mercy before the man that he may send away your other brother and Benjamin. If I be bereaved of my children, I am bereaved. And the men took that present and they took double money in their hand and Benjamin and rose up and went down to Egypt and stood before Joseph. And when Joseph saw Benjamin with them, he said to the ruler of his house, bring these men home and slay and make ready for these men shall dine with me at noon. And the man did as Joseph bade and the man brought the men into Joseph's house. And the men were afraid because they were brought into Joseph's house. And they said, because of the money that was returned in our sacks at the first time we are brought in, that he may seek occasion against us and befall upon us and take us for bondmen and our asses. And they came near to the steward of Joseph's house and they communed with him at the door of the house and said, Oh, sir, we came indeed down at the first time to buy food. And it came to pass when we came to the end that we opened our sacks and behold, every man's money was in the mouth of his sack. Our money was our money in full weight and we have brought it again in our hand and other money we have brought down in our hands to buy food. We cannot tell who put our money in our sacks. And he said, peace be to you. Fear not your God and the God of your father hath given you treasure in your sacks. I had your money and he brought Simeon out unto them. And the man brought the men into Joseph's house and gave them water and they washed their feet and he gave their asses provender and they made ready the present against Joseph and they made ready the present against Joseph came at noon for they heard that they should eat bread there. And when Joseph came home, they brought him the present, which was in their hand into the house and bowed themselves to him to the earth. And he asked them of their welfare and said, Is your father well? The old man of whom you spake, is he yet alive? And they answered, Thy servant, our father, is in good health. He, he is yet alive. And they bowed down their heads and made obeisance. And he lifted up his eyes and saw his brother Benjamin, his mother's son, and said, Is this your younger brother of whom you spake unto me? And he said, God be gracious unto thee, my son. And Joseph made haste, for his bowels did yearn upon his brother, and he sought where to weep. And he entered into his chamber and wept there. And he washed his face and went out and refrained himself and said, Set on bread. And they set on for him by himself and for them by themselves and for the Egyptians, which did eat with him by themselves, because the Egyptians might not eat bread with the Hebrews, for that was an abomination unto the Egyptians. And they sat before him, the firstborn according to his birthright, and the youngest according to his youth. And the men marveled one at another. And he took and sent messes unto them from before him. But Benjamin's mess was five times so much as any of theirs. And they drank and were merry with him. I'll keep going here. I want to get to the reveal. Yeah. 44. And he commanded the steward of the house, saying, Fill the men's sacks with food as much as they can carry, and put every man's money in his sack's mouth. And put my cup, the silver cup, in the sack's mouth of the youngest and his corn money. And he did according to the word that Joseph had spoken. As soon as the morning was light, the men were sent away, they and their asses. And when they were gone out of the city and not yet far off, Joseph said unto his steward, Up! Follow after the men, and when thou dost overtake them, say unto them, Wherefore have ye rewarded evil for good? Is not this it in which my Lord drinketh, and whereby 
indeed he div- divineth, divineth, he hath done evil, ye have done evil in so doing, doing. And he overtook them, and he spake unto them these same words. And they said unto him, Wherefore saith my Lord these things? God forbid that thy servants should do according to this thing. Behold, the money which we found in our sack's mouth we brought again unto thee out of the land of Canaan. How then should we steal out of thy Lord's house silver or gold? Whomsoever of thy servants it be found, both let him die, and we also will be my Lord's bondmen. And he said, Now also let it be according to your words. He with whom it is found shall be my servant, and ye shall be blameless. Then they speedily took down every man his sack to the ground, and opened every man his sack, and searched and began at the eldest, and left at the youngest, and the cup was found in Benjamin's sack. And they rent their clothes and laid it every man his ass and returned to the city. And Judah and his brethren came to Joseph's house, for he was yet there. And they fell before him on the ground. And Joseph said unto them, What deed is this that thou that ye have done? What ye not that such a man as I can certainly divine? And Judah said, What shall we say unto my Lord? What shall we speak? Or how shall we clear ourselves? God hath found out the iniquity of thy servants. Behold, we are my Lord's servants, both we and he also with whom the cup is found. And he said, God forbid that I should do so, but the man in whose hand the cup is found, he shall be my servant. And as for you, get you up in peace unto your father. The Judah came near unto him and said, O my Lord, let thy servant, I pray thee, speak a word in my Lord's ears, and let not thine anger burn against thy servant, for thou art even as Pharaoh. My Lord asked his servants, saying, Have ye a father or a brother? And we said unto my Lord, We have a father, an old man, and a child of his old age, a little one, and his brother is dead. And he alone is left of his mother, and his father loveth him. And thou saidest unto thy servants, Bring him down unto me, that I may set mine eyes upon him. And we said unto my Lord, The lad cannot leave his father, for if he should leave his father, his father would die. And thou saidest to thy servants, Except your youngest brother come down with you, ye shall see my face no more. And it came to pass, when we came up unto thy servant, thy, my father, we told him the words of my Lord. And our father said, Go again and buy us a little food. And we said, We cannot go down if our youngest brother be with us. Then will we go down, for we may not see the man's face except our youngest brother be with us. And thy servant my father said unto us, Ye know that my wife bare me two sons, and the one went out from me, and I said, Surely he is torn in pieces, and I saw him not since. And if you take this also from me, and mischief befall him, ye shall bring down my gray, gray hairs with sorrow to the grave. Now therefore, when I come to my servant, to thy servant my father, and the lad be not with us, seeing that his life is bound up in the lad's life, it shall come to pass, when he seeth that the lad is not with us, that he will die. And thy servant shall bring down the gray hairs of thy servant our father with sorrow to the grave. For thy servant became surety for the lad unto my father, saying, If I bring him not unto thee, then I shall bear the blame to my father forever. Now therefore I pray thee, let thy servant abide instead of the lad, a bondman to thy Lord, and let the lad go up with his brethren. For how shall I go up to my father, and the lad be not with me? 
lest peradventure I see the evil that shall come on my father. Uh, probably stop there. Um, yeah, good stuff. It, it is interesting, you know, maybe in a prophetic sense, what sort of what is happening here and how Judah is going the bat for Benjamin. Uh-huh. And there's something really prophetic about the, the Benjamin side of things that I, I don't fully understand, except that I have a suspicion that it has to do with Paul. And when you consider the breastplate of the high priest, the, um, if I'm not mistaken, the, the row that was, cause Satan has a breastplate also, but he has nine stones. Right. And, uh, if I'm not mistaken, I think it's Ephraim and Manasseh and I know it's Benjamin in there, but I think it's I'm pretty sure it's Ephraim and Manasseh are the other two of the row that's missing from Satan's. Mm-hmm. Um, I know it's Ephraim and Benjamin, and I think the other one's Manasseh. Anyway, because a while back doing a study on this, I was like, wait a minute. So, you know, because God knew, you know, the end from the beginning, and he knew that he was going to divorce the northern kingdom, which became known as Ephraim. And Yeshua, when he stood in the land of Judea talking to the Jews, to to the southern kingdom, he said, I have only come for the lost sheep of the house of Israel, i.e. the northern kingdom, i.e. Ephraim. And he did so primarily through the ministry of Paul, who was of the tribe of Benjamin. Benjamin, right. So I was like, wow, like the, the great plan of the creator uh, was withheld from Satan from his breastplate. Like he didn't get it. He didn't know it. He wasn't privileged to it, you know? Um, right. So I mean, anyway, that's that's what the thought that occurred to me. And, and it is interesting, this whole bargain uh, that is set up and that uh, Judah himself makes himself, you know, the, the, the surety for it. Um, but if I remember right, I think that the Targum gets a lot more belligerent <laughs> That uh, the right. Judah's like, do you know who I am? <laughs> you, do you yeah, know what exactly. I'm capable of doing? Like, he I, I think, buttons, yeah. yeah, I think that you know the story gets as far as this. I think you know the same way it is in the King James. But then, you know, Joseph's like, nah, you know, I'm not gonna. And then, then Judah switches into, okay, all right, I tried to be nice. You want to know what right. I'm capable? I'll bring down all of Egypt, man. If you, <laughs> you know, um, I think that was in the, if I'm not mistaken, do you remember? Is it, is it this story or is it, am I mistaken here? Oh yeah. Yeah. It is, um, this story and it does elaborate, um, greatly, um, in, you know, several of the parallel accounts, which I'm sure we'll probably get to next week or the following week, or at least over the course of the next couple of couple of weeks but yes um even manasseh um gets involved you know um, joseph's children because they are blood kin and judah does not realize and then the the powers that he has uh seems to also be portioned to them as well and so oh that's uh, it's a very yeah it's a very interesting story Yes, yeah, so fine. We'll we'll get into that in my show next week. Uh, you can read the Targum version of forty one through uh, forty four, and and in the Joshua account, there's a pretty freaky story in there because you know Benjamin stays behind with Joseph, and uh-huh. he says he brings out this machine, 
this device and he puts it in front of him and he asks if he was schooled in like the wisdom of the ancients or whatever. And, and Benjamin's, you know, my father did teach me. And then he says, and he hands him the device and said, okay, then what does the machine tell you? And he looks at it and it, and he says that it's telling me my brother is standing in front of me. Yes. Yes. Like that's a wild story. What? Right. Yep. All right, brother. Uh, Good show. We'll pick it up next week. All right, man. God bless all. Good night. Thank you, everybody, for joining us for this video and this broadcast. We appreciate all of you and thank you for your patronage. Please do like and subscribe and share with your friends. God bless all of you in your seeking.